Welcome back to Do The Nail. Hopefully you guys are staying safe out there, staying sane, hopefully. Uh, a couple weeks out to the election. Sanity isn't exactly something that I would describe the times uh, or use in regards to the times, but I mean, it's everybody's lost their damn mind. I've never seen such widespread self-hatred, <laughs> self-destructive behavior in my damn life. Uh, it's it's a mess. It really is. Uh, whenever you you got a post on on a on a news article about a couple people dying, and you want to make a joke about COVID and all that stuff, and you want to start political fights over that stuff. Well, if it was my kin, I don't care what they died of, right? And if I got on the internet and saw that. Like, it would infuriate the shit out of me. That's disrespectful as fuck, right? But, God forbid, something happened to those people's uh, people. Well, not that they really care about anybody for the most part. I mean, you could, you could say they do, but I won't be honest. The same people that post that stuff is the same people that would be trying to post pictures of their, their dying relatives just so they can get a little bit of likes on Facebook. And that's disgusting as hell, man. You can't do that. People don't have common sense anymore it's and they're not creating anything they're not progressing anything they're not they're not uh, building anything you want a way out and i and i've talked a lot about this over the last couple well over the last week you want a way out here's how you get a way out you get out and you get active with it right so if you want if if you want a world to to be a certain way it all starts with you you got to change and then you got to find people who also want to change, who are also on the same path as you. You want to talk tribalism? That's real tribalism. You know, it's it's uh, people who are going through struggles. You traditionally have always been the ones that make the solid tribes. Struggles make a person, um, make relationships, and it builds responsibility. Because either you're going, you're going to sink or swim with it. But the problem is, I don't think a lot of people really know how to thrive in hard times. Hard times has created this this culture that we've uh, that we talk about. These good times have, and, and, and whenever we talk about prosperity and and all this jazz. A lot of that has created what we're seeing in regards to, you know, this entitlement culture, right? There's no priority. There's no responsibility there. Oh, you can pay your bills. Well, that's fantastic. That's that's base level responsibility. But as far as like taking care of your own and handling your own and and um, really working to create something, these people aren't aren't responsible and nobody's being taught to be responsible. The stuff we talk about was molded by having to adapt and to survive. So whenever we're sitting here talking about these old timers and their mentality and what they taught a lot of us youngins who were growing up right around them, that the other generation, the other two generations didn't pay much attention to, 
then what you end up seeing is they're giving you advice on how to survive. Here's how you, here's how you can, here's how you grow, here's how you uh, stitch and sew, and here's how you uh, make this, and here's how you can barter, here's how you, uh, you know, you can trade this for this, and you can trade up on that, and and th these were all things that I picked up very, very quickly, because whenever you've got people who are really trying to pass on, like, here's how you survive in life, and, and here's how you're going to do it. When you got those people who've lived it, who are now in their, you know, 70s, 80s, and they've really gone through the ringer on it, and they they know what they're talking about, you're more confident in creating. But whenever you see these people who are out here, you know, all they care about is their little trips to Myrtle Beach, and and they only care about, you know, what restaurant they're going to eat at, and, and uh, you know, what their friends think about them on social media. Those are people who, who are molded by an entitled uh, and, and it's due to uh, the the way they were raised. Good times, you know. Were the you know a lot of the time they were given whatever they were they wanted growing up. They had really good childhoods. They'll talk about it. It's funny because whenever you look at the holler and how the holler set up, we're all living it together. But there's a lot of people who didn't go through near as much stuff as some people did that lived right around the curve from them. And I'll get into more about the holler here in a minute for those who don't know what it is. Uh, but it, it depended on your household, right? And it depended on your family. So a lot of this irresponsibility and a lot of this stuff, it, it, what it comes down to is good times has destroyed the common sense. It's breeded laziness and entitlement. If you really, if you really think you're doing something by getting on social media and posting about it, you ain't doing jack shit. There has to be, you know, if is it supplemental work? Well, maybe. If I'm sitting there posting a podcast, that's supplemental work. The real work is getting out here and talking to people, trying to figure out what's next. Uh, for me, it's trying to figure out who needs what. Is there something I can do? Uh, and and to help folks around me, but also to help myself. Can't help other people if you're out here dying yourself. Um, so I don't know. I think I think the best thing we can do for those of us who are who are really want a change is to make that change ourselves as the old timers would say either you shit or get off a pot either you do it or you don't you know you want to change it then by god do it if there's no way around it then then make a way if uh if something doesn't isn't created yet then create it adaptability and survivability is what you're going for Make your life worth something instead of instead of the shit that, that everybody thinks is worth something. But really, it's just that. It's just shit. 
I'm going to leave you with this real quick before we start talking about the holler. My brother died in 2011 of a glioblastoma, which is a brain tumor. Stage four. He was the first person in the family to have it. A couple years later, my mom got it after we got flooded. Uh, so, I went nuts, right? And this was 2012. And she hadn't she hadn't been diagnosed since two, till 2013 because she refused to go to the doctor. Um, but she definitely had signs of it. Her cognitive abilities had, had gone and everything, and it, it she was acting real off. Essentially, what ended up happening, they gave her nine months, and she she ended up not only having a glioblastoma, but it was a what they call gliomatosis cerebri. What that is, is uh, spread cells. It's not a solid tumor, so they can't take it out. So, cut to uh, right whenever she found out, I went ape shit because I was like, man, I can't, I can't be losing another member of my family. You know, I looked, I was looking up everything I could on treatments and, and stuff, and ran across a forum. There's a lady, her husband had just died of one. And there's a quote that she put on there that, that really stuck with me. And it was something like, it was something along the lines of the lines I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. And that has stuck with me ever since. You can either, you can either say, well, this sucks. I'm stuck like this. And that, and you may be stuck like that. But are you just going to lay down and die with it? Unfortunately, my brother gave up real quick. He even said he gave up. He was giving up. Like, that was it. He was tired. He lasted two years. And I hate that. And I, it's something I've never quite... You know, that's something that I've never... I don't think you, I think it gets, it gets to where you just deal with it on a daily basis. It doesn't necessarily get to where it's easy. You just deal with it. But my mama, on the other hand, who said from the beginning, I ain't sick, fuck yes. Who's scrappier than all hell, uh, is still here. Even when septic last year due to a UTI went, like, it was real bad just right overnight. And almost died and can't walk and all that stuff. Now we're working with her to get her, get her back. And it's been a year since we've been working with her and it's been, you know, two steps forward, you know, three steps back, but she's still moving along and the tumor has been in remission since 2016. So we're coming up on 10 years in in 2022. So Whenever I think of that, that's 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 what I think is. It's all in how you react to it. You can either lie down, or you can keep go, going and pushing and, and just trying to get through it. And if you don't, if you don't, then you're dead in the water. That's it. You're dead in the damn water. So whenever I'm seeing people posting this stuff on social media and they're all, um, you know, they they're doing it for. 
likes and views and all this shit. Most of it's false. Whenever they post something, it's 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 not doing anything. Essentially, you have opted to lay down and die. Is what you've done. And to me, that that makes you useless. In the eyes of like your cause, you can't do that. I understand some people's tired. I don't think necessarily they're useless, but if you're actively going out here and making more issues for yourself and you've opted for that route, you, you've, you've really like, this is your, this is your social, this is your whole thing of, uh, being on social media and getting, getting the attention, but you're not doing anything else about it. You're not fighting anything. You're not, you're not doing shit. My brother, whenever he, right before he got real bad, he said, you know, I really wish I would have fought harder. And that, that seems to be a regret of his, right? And I think, I think that's ultimately what I don't want to do. I don't want to, I don't want to die and be sitting here thinking right before I go, like, hey, I wish I would have fought harder. Um. For me, I think that would that would be soul crushing. That kill that just kill my spirit. You have to create something if it does not exist, and you want it to exist. Don't depend on a politician. Don't depend on somebody wearing a suit to tell you what to think, how to act. Just don't do it. Turn the shit off. Let's talk about the holler now, because <laughs> right now my throat's hurting, and I'm 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 just gonna keep rambling for probably the next twenty five minutes if I keep it up. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about the holler. So, I was asked back whenever I was doing a blog, right, to cover what a holler was by a fella that's out of the country. Um, and I was going to cover what a holler was, but at the time I had more interest in going the podcast route due to the fact that it was a little bit easier for me to get that information out there than spending four hours back and forth trying to write. Because I've got a lot going on in the house, so I may write a paragraph and then get up and I have to do something else. So I'll spend like four hours on this damn thing four or five hours, depending on, uh, what I'm writing about. So what I ended up, uh, doing was I put it on the back burner until I did the podcast. Well, podcast time, and I still, I haven't covered it because we're just now getting the podcast rolling. So, um, I decided I'd kind of cover it for those who didn't know and also talk about what life was like in my holler in specific and talk about tribal mentality within the holler and uh, clannish mentality. So what, so what's a holler for somebody that don't know? Well, I think where I'm from, it's a little bit different. I've heard people describe hollers as being a little bit, a little bit different depending on where you're at. My hollers in particular, for example, um, well, base level it's between two mountains. It's a hollow between two mountains. And, Despite what these 
these stupid websites will have you believe holler isn't isn't because it, it's not a call to holler because you can stand on your porch and holler at your neighbor. You hear that a lot. And it's it's dumb and it's stupid and it's a lie. Holler is just said uh, due to that way due to the the dialect. So for example, if I instead of saying fellow, this fellow I was talking to, I might call him a feller because it's my it's my accent. Or if I said, you know, that little son bitch busted my window or winder, uh, and I'm talking about the window, I'll say winder. Uh, it's it's really just a dialect thing. The same the same places that'll tell you the hollers because you can stand on your porch and holler at your neighbor. Those those people are the same people that say crick is strictly Appalachian, and I never even heard that term until I heard somebody from Cleveland say it. In regards to creek, uh, we say creek. In southern West Virginia. I think in the northern panhandle they say crick, maybe. And I know people on the west coast, I've heard people on the west for, from the west coast say crick. But I've, growing up, I never heard anybody say crick. Um, so I think that's, it, it, there's a lot of misinformation about dialect that goes around. Uh, what's specifically this uh, from this area and what's not. So, it's a it's a hollow between two mountains. There's a road. Generally, there's a creek right next to the road, and then there'll be houses spread throughout the area. And either they'll be up on the the side of the mountain, or they'll be uh, in the flat between in the valley. It's usually about ten to fifteen degrees colder in the holler, and you might not see the sunrise. Uh, actually physically see the sun in the sky until about 10 o'clock in the morning you may see the the sun dip behind the mountain right around three two or three and um people live in close usually at least in my holler and that's because we had coal camps uh some of these hollers around here a lot of these hollers around here they don't have coal camps like we had them so we had a lot of old coal houses and then a lot of uh, houses rebuilt over where those houses were. So we all still lived in camps, and we all knew what numbers. So somebody said, well, somebody somebody wrecked their car down at 15. Well, that means that 15 Coal Camp, which is right around where Trav lived, which is my childhood best friend, um, it's at, it'd be where he lived. And somebody said, well, he's down at Troy Town, or, you know, They'd be down where my cousins live, uh, which was so. There's different names. It, it's it's weird because there's all these different names, and there's different spots, right? So you have your main road, and then you have your offshoots. So my holler overall was called Mud Fork or Verdonville. Uh, sometimes she gone, and then you would have your little sub hollers. You had Rock House and and all that. Troy Town was at the mouth of Rock House. Uh, Aves Acres wasn't a branch, but it was a it was a line of houses that used to be owned by Old Man Avis. That my great uncles and my my papa used to, uh, to harvest his corn, and he'd pay them. Uh, but there's like these little offshoots takes you over into Dingus and and Dingus is a, a mountain. So the head of the 
uh, the mouth of mud is what we call it, is the mouth of the holler. And you dip into it, and you ride all the way through, and you ride all the way over the mountain, and it go, takes you, depending on where you get off at on the mountain, because there's, there's one road that's a little bit worse than the other one. Um, you may end up at Harsh Creek or, or whatever, but the, the point is they branch off. There's a lot of branching. And if you're not familiar with how one is set up, you probably will get lost if you get off the, the main road. And sometimes you can get lost just, <laughs> just by not getting off the main road. Um, it, it's, they can be difficult to navigate depending on where you're at, but that's that's the basic layout and description of one um the people there's usually uh in my holler specific there was generational families so you had families who had been there for for years uh my papa for example whenever he moved back into the holler from blair mountain where he was uh after he got out of the military he went to blair mountain and he was a forest ranger there for a little bit. And then he moved back to Mud Fork and he bought his old uh, grade school house and rebuilt it and, and did all that and added on to it. And he lived there. And all my cousins live in that, in, in that area from about midway through the holler all the way over the mountain. So it, it was all family. And you have like these smaller families and then you have the big families. The big families are usually oftentimes married into one another. That way, whenever uh, you see like, well, this family married in with this family, it makes it one big, everybody's cousins and stuff. So, and then the smaller families, those are the, usually the families that have been there for like generations upon generations. And whenever they move out, either they'll stay in a generational home. So there'll be multiple generations into that, into that house. Or they will still live right next to you, right down the road or whatever. So, for example, I lived right next to my mama and papa. And we lived right down the holler from all my cousins and my great-uncle and my great-aunt. So everybody's right there. If you need something, you can go to somebody's house. Oftentimes you don't even, you just walk in. Um, but it, it's it's definitely a little bit different nowadays because once the old-timers started dying off, the uh, generation after that started moving out. And they moved out toward the cities. They moved out toward, you know, Huntington or or Charleston or they moved out of state. And so now there's a lot of these new people that are coming in and out and they're constantly changing. And so there's not very many generational families there anymore. There was clannish mentality with it as far as like we come first and Everybody else has to take a back seat, but I'll help you if I can. So, you know, you, the idea is, of course, you feed yourself first, and then you you work your way out, kind of like a tribe would, you know. You know. The family's within the tribe. The tribe helps overall, can help the family. The family itself also 
contributes to the tribe. It's it's a thing, but either way, you have to put priority with this and, and go family first, and then your community. You know, there's a there's a lot of independent working. A lot of a lot of the mentality was you just kind of you handle things yourself. Uh, you vouch for people who live around you. Who you know, that's one way to take care of somebody. If you're going on a job because there's a lot of independent work. If you're going on a job, like let's say that we were going on a, a carpentry job, right? Some dude over the over the mountain was going to pay us, you know, four hundred, five hundred dollars uh, just to haul some lumber for the day, right? Well, you may you may call your cousin up and be like, hey, guess what? You know, got a job. You know, you wanna you wanna come over and uh, we'll ride on over first thing in the morning and go do his job and get us get out of there by midday. Uh, or you might call the dude that you kind of owe. And you may say, "Hey, got a job? Uh, make a little bit of money. You wanna, you want you know, you wanna head over tomorrow." And it was it was constantly the idea was that that even with work, because I think a lot of people nowadays would probably see it as, "Well, I don't want to work. Like, I, I need you to, you know, you owe me. Give me money or whatever they want, right?" But back then and at home it was always about like okay well there's an opportunity to make money here hell yeah i'm gonna do it and you do it you don't complain about it you get the shit done you get paid right because if you complain then what happens is the person that got you that job or the person that gave you the job whether it be the person that's paying out or the person that vouched for you you're gonna make them look like shit and then guess what you probably ain't gonna get another job So that's that's kind of the mentality that it was is that you take care of your kin, you take care of the people around you, and then in return you'll be taken care of. So if you do somebody a solid uh, and help them out, you know they'll they'll do the same for you. That mentality is kind of gone. Uh, I noticed probably whenever oxycotton started coming in to the region because. And I'd say it's probably late nineties. I was a teenager, still doing work and stuff for Papa. And we're talking doing a lot of heat pump work, doing carpentry jobs, uh, whatever he would pay. You know, he'd take me on these runs at these strangers' houses and leave me with a bunch of duct work, and I'd be putting duct work together, um, pulling these big ass furnaces out from underneath, uh, you know, people's houses and, and all sorts of stuff because. There's this one job that he had me doing. I had to pull this, this damn uh, unit. You know, I wasn't a furnace. It was a damn uh, AC unit uh, on a slant. He was on a mountain down at Man. And uh, I had to pull it out of from underneath a, a damn porch. And uh, that, that, was, that was a bastard job. But I was still doing work for him. And he... Uh, uh, you know, he, Papa was independently uh, working to begin with. He he started, he did the butcher thing. He got his finger cut off. <laughs> he, he got his finger cut off in the meat grinder because he, he became a butcher after that. And then he started working on uh, heat pumps. Right? So there's a lot of air conditioner work. There's a lot of, a lot of that stuff. And he was... I don't even know that he damn near paid taxes, to be honest with you. 
uh, as far as business goes, I think it was all, it was mostly under the table. And that's the way a lot of them liked it. You know, a lot of them would pay in cash or whatever. They try to make sure he's taken care of that way. It was kind of off the books. Uh, he also had to think about gambling too. So, so, so he, he got a lot of money his, his ways, but, uh, no, he was, he was independently, uh, he, he, he worked a lot and that he gave a lot of guys jobs. Um, so there, there was, um, there, there wasn't any sort of fear of hard work. And I think that's one thing, like you notice a big difference about now is, is people don't want hard work. They don't want the opportunity to make more money. It's, it's like a, uh, quote that, you know, you can either teach a man to fish and feed him for life, or you can, you can just give him fish, you know, I can either, I can either, either give you the money or I can give you the opportunity to make more money. So whichever it is, you know, a lot of people these days will take it, especially like I said, with Oxycontin coming in, because you had a lot of guys that were getting laid off in the mines. The doctors were prescribing uh, stuff to the guys who were getting injured. And mine works not easy work. Like you'll break your back, you break your, you know, your legs. Uh, I had family members get their fingers, you know, it, it's a family tradition getting your fingers cut off uh, or smashed. And so what ended up happening was oxycotton kind of came into the, you know, the region. And before you know it, everything just started changing. Suddenly we started seeing more addicts where we didn't see that before. Well, you started having guys, you know, that was, that was breaking into your house in broad daylight that you've known your whole life and they're spaced out of their damn head and they're trying to steal some stuff to get their next fix and get a next bottle of pills. And whenever you look at how opioids are in, in this region, uh, you've got small towns getting flooded with millions of pills in a year. Big farm is dumping. And it's ruining our communities. And these doctors are just riding it like it ain't nothing. right? Places like Kermit, and that's one I use a lot in, uh, whenever I try to put things into perspective. It, you know, town of Kermit is very small. Like you, you literally just ride right through it. Um, it might have two or three pharmacies and within a year you're talking, you know, multi-millions of pills, you know, coming through that place a year. And, you know, people who are getting injured in the mines or getting, getting hurt are suddenly getting in a situation where they're getting addicted whenever they go, uh, you know, whenever they go to get off the stuff, if they try to get off the stuff, you've got them going through the government, giving them methadone and suboxone and they keep them doped up on that. And it's the same reason moonshine's illegal as far as selling it goes. Government wants their cut. So guess what? That's how they get their cut. Right, so it's funny because I knew a lot of guys who got on Suboxone or who got on Methadone and, and they weren't weaned off like they were supposed to be. They were actually, they got their their um, their doses up. So the holler changed a lot. It became, 
you know, more about you can't trust people as much. A lot of people moved out, a lot of new people moved in, and you can't trust them people. You can't trust people you've known for years, you know. And there was a lot of issues that kind of came up there probably around the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was, you just you just can't trust who's around you anymore. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues that we're currently facing that's kind of, uh, you know, and I, I don't think that the economy is helping matters either at the moment from my understanding. Uh, there's kids still living in my holler right now where I, you know, like right down the road from where I was. And these kids are living in uh, campers. I have a friend who was telling me that the school had to give haircuts because, you know, they couldn't afford haircuts. These kids can't afford shoes. That's one reason why the group that I run try to collect as many shoes as possible or clothes as possible. We want to try to take care of these people. This is how we're going to create the world we want to live in is by doing this shit. And we want to take care of these people because these are our people. I'm starting to lose my damn voice. That coffee ain't helping. Uh, I think that clan mentality has kind of died out with the modernization of, of the holler. The tribalist mindset has always been and I think it's still there. I think it's still underneath a lot of things. Whenever I got flooded, for example, you had the politicians uh, out toward the mouth of the holler taking photos with the National Guard and all this stuff. The National Guard was just sitting on their asses, and you had them out there playing hopscotch in the church parking lot and all this shit. But you had the politicians, you know, bringing pizza, and they're all smiling, taking pictures with their pizza. It was it was it was a it was a fucking circus is what it was, right? And then you had the rest of us, it was further down the holler that the politicians wouldn't go. You know, and who was helping us out? Sure as hell wasn't them. So what ended up happening was the community had gotten together and and the ones who had been there for it, it was mainly the ones who'd been there for generations. Got together, was dropping off food to people, home cooked food. Uh, churches got together and got, uh, you know, got people clothes. They got, uh, cleaning supplies and really just dropped it off. And if anybody needed help, they tried to spare as much help as they could and then go on to the next house. And to me, that's tribalism. That's that tribal mentality that we're talking about when we're talking about Appalachia, taking care of each other and really make sure each other's all right. That has to be ingrained in you. And if it's if it's something that you're wanting to cultivate, then you're going to have to take steps to do it yourself. For us, it's easier for me to sit here and say that I have that mentality because of the way I was raised and where I was where I come from, right? But the fact of the matter is I don't know what it's like for somebody to live away from that type of mentality. So if you're someone who's looking to try to cultivate that mentality and try to grow that 
into something that becomes a habit for you to change your surroundings. I can't say that that's going to be an easy task because changing your mentality on things isn't exactly the easiest thing in the world. It it can be the hardest, right? This this whenever we talk about tribe mentality, whenever we're talking about uh, the ability to find others who are in the same struggle as you and try to try to build yourself up better, not to just you know survive, but to actually thrive. Whenever we're talking about creating uh, better communities, whenever we're talking about, you know, really honoring where you come from and your clan and the people around you, your kin, uh, you know, it's what it comes down to is it's easy for me to talk about it. But if you didn't grow up with it, then it may be harder for you. And that's something that I, I probably just more recently within the last couple of months realized uh, there's a there's a huge disconnect, I think. I could sit here and talk about it. And talk about what I've lived, but I can't make it any easier on, on people to change habits or anything like that. Because to me, it's always just been who I am. So if it's something that you're wanting to go down that route and try to become more tribe-minded to try to, you know, focus more on family and and really kind of shut out the outside world, it's going to take some deprogramming. That's exactly how this works. It's not it's not easy. You got to put in the work. And then you got then you got to really work to maintain the results. I think there's a lot of hope for us if we if we do things ourselves i'm tired of you know whenever whenever it comes down to waiting for change i think when i was a little bit younger i started waiting a little bit there's a there's a little bit of time where i just waited and there's got to be there's got to be a time where you have enough of that and you start doing the shit yourself and that's what growing up in the holler was it was it was i'm I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of I'm tired of dealing with with you know being told that you have to do things a certain way, and I'm just going to go out and do it. That's why it's why a lot of these old timers did shit on the side to make money. You you know, great grandpappy ran a feed store, but he also was a moonshiner, right? You got you got you got to find ways to adapt and adjust. You know, it's all, it's all, if you don't, you did, you know, and especially back then, if you didn't, then guess what? You may not have dinner on the table. We have to have that mentality. Again. And there's going to be some programming or deprogramming and then programming ourselves to think like that for those who didn't grow up like that. The holler, I think, taught me how to really live and take care of your own. For me now, it's it's become more about trying to trying to find, I guess, where I fit in, where I'm at right now. 
because here nobody wants to know us. You know, you try to talk to neighbors, neighbors are really standoffish. And I don't, you know, and, and maybe that's just where I'm at specifically in this holler. They don't want much to do with me. Uh, I've had the cops call on me a couple times. Uh, that's beside the point. And it was really over nothing. That's what, that's what it is. Instead of just coming and talking to me, they assume, and, and apparently I, I killed somebody. Funny enough, I, apparently I killed my mama. Because uh, <laughs> they didn't see the old lady for a while. And instead of stopping, first of all, I don't know who it was. They called the cops, but, uh, you know, they, they're they showing up with a damn cop. And the cops in my house without knocking. And, um, I mean, the whole damn thing's a mess. Like, it's, there's no getting to know your neighbor. There's no this, that, or the other thing. I've tried to be nice to people. And it's just gotten to the point where, I'm trying to find, I think I went through a period of, of trying to figure out, like, where do I fit in this place? Because I can't go anywhere because all mom's doctors are through or through and around here. And it's, it's uh, if it wasn't for that, I'd probably be back in the coal fields. But where do I belong, right? And I think there, there was a point where I came to the conclusion that I have to really look good and hard at myself and figure out, you know, if, if I just need to create my own, uh, my own trap from what I've learned in the holler growing up. And that's kind of what I've done. I've, I've kind of created something that I think is special for me. You know, it may not be special to anybody else, but it's special to me. And it's it's using all the values that I picked up growing up in in, in between those two big ass mountains. And I think my life has been a lot fuller because of that. I'm gonna quit talking just for the simple fact that my my damn voice is going out. I've been yammering on here back and forth mostly because I've been trying <laughs> I've been trying to keep my voice from going too bad so I've been I've been trying to focus on my speech and more so on how bad it's getting uh, I think the weather's kind of kind of dropping me as far as my I got drainage and all sorts of stuff I'm a mess right now uh, it's kind of dropping me a little bit and so I'm struggling <laughs> <laughs> I think next time I'll take a Benadryl and uh, we'll, we'll see what's going on with that. Uh, I'm going to start doing, start work on collecting the superstitions I want to talk about and maybe do a ghost story or something closer it gets to Halloween. I know it's a uh, spooky season. People like to hear that stuff. So we'll start talking about probably death rituals and stuff within the coming weeks. And then, uh, yeah, figure out where to go from there. But hopefully you guys are doing good. Stay out of trouble. And uh, especially be mindful of what you, what you do online. As far as like a, a little homework assignment or a little exercise for the next week, 
be real cautious and start looking at things with new eyes. If you're a person that is sitting there, you, you, you look at the screen, you believe what you see, and that's, that's just it. Really ask yourself why. Why do you believe that? It's posted online, right? Most likely it's going to be bullshit, <laughs> okay? Why are you, you know, if you find yourself getting involved in some sort of argument online, ask yourself why you're doing that. Why, why, what's the point of it? Why are you letting yourself waste your time that way? If you, if you find yourself spending eight hours a day on Facebook, ask yourself why. And then ask yourself, why aren't you doing something more productive? What do you want to do? What's a skill you want to learn? What's something that you've, uh, you've been really wanting to read or, or whatever. What is it that you can do within those, all that time that you spent on Facebook, drop it down to 45 minutes throughout the whole day. If you have to, if you're that addicted, whatever the case, drop it out completely. But, but what can you do within that time that makes it worth not worrying about what's on that phone or what's on that website? What, what can you do that would make your life better for that day? You know, is it spending it with your family? Is it, uh, like I said, learning a new skill? Is it reading up on something? Is it trying to, uh, you know, get these relationships started to try to build a tribe? Try to think about what it is that you can be doing and then do it. Just give it a week and be real mindful of what you're doing and how you're doing it. And then if you if you ever want to, Shoot me a message. Uh, you know, you can, you can find find us on Tooth and Nail um, on Instagram. And that's about the only thing I'm keeping us on. Uh, with that said, let me know how you guys are doing with that. And hopefully you're doing all right. I know this has been rambling. I know I've repeated myself sometimes. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm plumb tore up. <laughs> fucking coffee ain't working and I've still got a ton of stuff to do and I'm I'm about dead physically. So and I've still got a I still got a clear yard out and I've got a like a clean house and I gotta work out and I gotta, you know, get supper ready and, and there's a there's a ton of stuff so it's gonna be a long day. So just look over me. Uh hopefully it's fine to y'all well though. Take care of yourselves.